Hello and welcome to Warwick Podcasts. Kosovo's declaration of independence has again raised the question of stability in the Balkans. Dr. Peter Ferdinand, director of Warwick's Centre for Studies in Democratisation, talks to Richard Fern about some of the international implications of Kosovo's self-rule. Professor Ferdinand, why are we now looking at a resurgence of this issue? I think the primary reason is the uh, report that was carried out by the UN's special representative on Kosovo, Marti Artisari, the former Finnish president, who for several years had been given the task of trying to negotiate an acceptable solution to Kosovo's status that would on the one hand take account of the resentments of the Albanians against the way that they had been treated by the Serbs over previous decades, but on the other hand would reassure the Serbs that NATO and the United Nations wasn't necessarily going down the road of advocating independence for Kosovo. His report came out early last year and that was the event that in a sense forced all of the various parties to the dispute to take a more defined position about what they thought should or shouldn't happen to Kosovo. He recommended that the uh, international community should move towards a qualified recognition of Kosovo as an independent state by the end of last year. But in fact, this was postponed because of the Serbian presidential elections that were due to take place in January. And the uh, EU and NATO didn't want to have a decision about this just beforehand since that might inflame nationalist feeling in Serbia. Now that the um, elections have taken place, um, there seemed to be no further reason that would delay the recognition of Kosovo, at least as far as those states in the EU and NATO were concerned. Why does Kosovo need to be independent? As much as anything, it's because the Kosovars, the Albanians primarily, themselves want to have independence because of the ethnic cleansing that some Serbian militia groups were carrying out against them um, in 1998. And because of whole decades, if not centuries, they feel of unequal treatment by Serbs. So they don't feel that they have any confidence about remaining in a Serb-dominated state because this could lead to some kind of renewal of Serbian claims against them, Serbian repression, Serbian cleansing and so on. On the other hand, from the Serb point of view, they tend to feel that, that Kosovo is part, has been part of Serbia for centuries. The most famous event in Serbian medieval history, the fight, the battle at Kosovo in 1389 against the Turks, goes down in Serbian folklore as being a heroic defeat, but one which defines the Serbian nation, its relations with its neighbours to the east, and its defence of Europe to the west. So as far as the Serbs are concerned, though in the succeeding centuries most Serbs have left 
and Albanians have come in, they still cannot accept that what they regard as being their homeland should be under any uh, anybody else's control other than their own. A population of about 2.25 million, 90% of which are Albanian, 10% of which are Serbian, more or less. Mm-hmm. Can a state of Kosovo survive on its own? Well, that's really going to be a big challenge for those states that now want to see it independent because it's a landlocked state. It has borders primarily with Serbia. So if it has no good relations with Serbia, then the prospects of trade and general common economic development are not really going to be uh, very viable. It also has a border with, um, uh, with Montenegro, which may be a bit a bit more sympathetic. But basically, it is a small, poor country. It always has been relatively underdeveloped in Serbia, and that's what, of course, the Albanians will point to as being yet another grievance that they have against the Serbs, that they never got the kind of positive assistance from Belgrade that they would have expected. But that still doesn't answer the basic problem, which Britain, Germany the United States, the other states that recognise Kosovo are going to be confronted. How are they going to bring economic development to Kosovo in the face of opposition from um, Serbia and against the background of a pretty unfavourable geographical situation? Um, And there's going to be no easy solution to that problem. It, It may well be that EU assistance will do something to bring about a better economic climate, bring greater employment to Kosovo. But at the moment, something like 40% of the population are unemployed. And nothing significant is going to change about that, whatever happens, for the next few years. And yet if the Kosovars don't feel that they're benefiting from their independence, then they may become also disenchanted, as they have been in some ways with Serbia, about the lack of effective assistance. For many years, the former Yugoslavia was a client state of the Soviet Union. Now we seem to be seeing a renewal of these divisions, with Russia supporting Serbia, the USA supporting Kosovo, its allies also supporting Kosovo largely. Are we seeing a, a, a new, or something akin to, a new Cold War? It's certainly going to be used as a stick with which to beat the West. As, of course, we know the Russian presidential elections are due to take place in about a month's time, and uh, President Putin will probably spare no opportunity to highlight what's happened in Kosovo as being yet further evidence of the untrustworthiness of the West its basic hostility towards, he will say, either uh, Russians or uh, Slavs more generally, although that won't be a very plausible argument given the way in which a lot of Eastern European states have been integrated into the EU. But he will use it to try and um, stoke up uh, popular support inside Russia. And, of course, now he will also find that he's evoking a lot of support inside Serbia, even though the presidential elections have taken place and Boris Tadic, the pro-Western president, won by a small majority, he too will feel that he has to say a lot of critical things about the EU. And all of this will make any 
possible path for Serbia into EU membership more problematic for years to come. But I don't think that we should assume that this is going to become, as it was in 1914, a kind of major international co-celebre that provokes a really serious conflict. After all, Russia, on the one hand, certainly does say that if the West recognises Kosovo, then it might feel that it would recognise some parts of the former Soviet Union, which are not technically part of Russia, but which, with Russian en encouragement, are trying to establish an independence from, say, Georgia, in South Ossetia and Abkhazia, um, or in Moldova, where Transnistria is effectively under the control of a Russian division. So Russia says that it will do things to give added support now that the West has given them a precedent. On the other hand, Russia doesn't want to go too far down that road because the more that it encourages the idea that small territories have the right to secede from big territories because popular opinion is in favour of it, the more they are in danger of encouraging Chechnyans to stand up to Russia and other groups in other parts of Russia to do the same sort of thing. So Russia's line really is that it wants to maintain the sovereignty and the integrity of existing states it will find it very difficult to come out with a diplomatic strategy which manages to do that and also encourage secession where it suits Russia. So I doubt that it's really going to amount to some big confrontation between the West and Russia or between the West and Russia and Serbia. But it certainly will make, it will certainly put a premium on diplomatic handling of the crisis, given that there will be a lot of genuine emotion expressed over the next weeks and months. And that will be something that the EU and NATO has not had to deal with in quite the same way for a while. Are we now seeing a new precedent in international law, and how might this affect EU countries? Well, there are certainly some EU states that will not recognise Kosovo because they are afraid that by doing so they will encourage secessionist forces within their own lands. Spain is the best example with the Basque territory and also uh, some of the other um, provinces of Spain. Um, Cyprus is obviously another example where northern Cyprus um, is, has a separate status from that of the rest of Cyprus and the Cypriot government, which is part of the EU, doesn't want to do anything that might encourage the international recognition of North Cyprus. So, to a certain extent, of course, EU countries and others in other parts of the world, this after all is why China probably is most worried about the precedent of Kosovo because it might be used to justify demands for independence for Tibet or Taiwan or, or whatever. But at the same time, although potentially it is a precedent as a debating point, there is no international organisation, there is certainly no international legal organisation, which operates on the basis of this kind of precedent. It's not as though the UN Security Council is going to react differently if Kosovo is independent from the way in which they have done in the past, because there is no legal basis to those kinds of decisions. In the end, what really matters, I'm afraid, is what individual states' interests tell them they ought to do. If they want to use Kosovo as a debating argument in favour of a course of action which they would wish to recommend, 
They will, of course, do that. But that isn't going to force any other country to accept it unless they too think that it's in their interest to do so. So it, it certainly does offer the prospect of a precedent for international affairs. Um, uh, but at the same time, I'm not sure that it's really going to make so much a difference because, after all, as I heard a Spanish politician say only recently, um, I don't think that the Basques are going to feel any more or less sympathetic towards Madrid because of what happens in Kosovo than they have done in the past. It's, it's interesting to them. It's a parallel to their situation. But it isn't going to make um, the issue of Basque independence either more acute or, if it's handled successfully, less acute in the future. We've seen uh, incidents on the Serbian-Kosovo border and there are NATO troops there still. Will we see violence, increased violence on, on, on that border? It may well be that we will see some more sporadic acts of violence, yes. On the other hand, there are enough troops, NATO troops, in Kosovo to ensure that large-scale demonstrations of violence are unlikely to get out of hand. And, of course, the Albanians want to keep on good terms with the EU and with NATO because it's, these are the forces that really have supported their independence. So I doubt that the Albanians will be easy to persuade to rise to some kind of provocation, some kind of protest by the Serbs, which, of course, some Serbs would like to make happen, but I doubt that that, that will be um, very likely. And NATO would be able to suppress the um, protests if they have to. But, of course, it is a delicate position for NATO to be in because they want, on the one hand, to maintain order, but at the same time, how peacefully they can maintain order if it's in the face of large-scale public demonstrations when people are hurling rocks at them or setting fire to buildings and so on. Um, how they do that in front of the cameras is going to be quite a delicate issue to handle. And if something goes wrong, then there is the potential for a lot of embarrassment or worse for NATO and the EU, something, of course, that Russia and Serbia would be only happy, only too happy, to make more of um, for the international press and the international media. How did NATO and the EU find itself involved in the Kosovo question? Primarily it was because by 1998 the Serbs had begun to try to take action against the Kosovo Liberation Army, the guerrilla force that was operating inside the territory. And, of course, President Milosevic wanted to use this as yet a further means of bolstering his by now more precarious political authority inside Serbia, given that other states in the former Yugoslavia had seceded and Serbia had failed in its attempts to force them to stay as part of the former Yugoslavia. So Serbia initiates the actions, but Western countries also decide that having seen what happened in Bosnia and in Croatia, they didn't want to allow Milosevic any further opportunity for ethnic cleansing, any further repression of non-Serbs. And in particular, they didn't want to see Serbia provoke 
an exodus of refugees into neighbouring countries, which would then all have to bear the costs and the problems associated with large numbers of refugees. So NATO decided in the end to intervene in Kosovo on what were called humanitarian intervention grounds, which is the first time that, that NATO had ever done that. Previously, NATO had only done things with the backing of the UN. This time, the UN wasn't prepared, couldn't come, come up with a recommendation about what could be done. But other EU countries decided, and NATO decided, that they had to do something, both because of the potential costs they'd have to bear, and also because the publicity about the way Muslims had been treated in, in Bosnia was increasingly... Um, damaging the reputation of the West in other parts of the world. So they go in there with the expectation that they will be able to create, to prevent some kind of massive atrocity. And in the end, they are able to achieve a surprising victory, even though it's basically rely, it basically relied upon air power. We know with hindsight that actually most of the Serbian military targets that NATO hit were camouflaged uh, wooden vehicles. We actually caused, NATO caused relatively little damage to the Serbian armed forces as such. But in the end, what really forced the Serbs to give in was the threat that finally NATO would be prepared to commit ground troops to defend um, uh, Albanians. And the Russian government also played a role in persuading Milosevic to back down because they would not support him anymore in the future either at that time. So this was a big event in NATO and also EU uh, relations with the rest of the world. It for a while seemed as though it might herald further bouts of humanitarian intervention by the West. But of course, what's happened in Iraq and the difficulties that we now see coming to the fore in Kosovo itself suggest that a lot of the underlying problems have not been resolved simply because of the intervention. And dealing with those issues is going to occupy the attention for NATO and European decision makers for, for many years to come, as it is, without them embarking upon any new kinds of adventures.